Welcome back to the Desert Springs Church Podcast. It exists to supplement the ministry and growth of the body at Desert Springs Church. My name is Drew, and I'm the music minister here. I am Chase. I am the theology minister here. <laughs> Very good. So there's a lot going on in all of our lives right now. So we thought we'd do a lighter topic today. So we thought of divine justice, <laughs> just to keep it you know, light and fluffy for all the peoples. Sometimes we just need a break, right? Right. Yeah, we don't want to be doom and gloom all the time. Except today. No, this is a an important topic. It is a difficult topic, and that is the doctrine of divine justice or divine judgment. This past Sunday, we looked at Psalm 94, which is a prayer for God to judge and destroy the psalmist enemies. And that's a theme that arises again and again in the Bible. So, Chase, let's start off with a simple question and maybe a definition of what is justice? Yeah, it's it's a simple question. It's not so much a simple answer. Actually, this is one of the great philosophical questions throughout history. What is justice? How do you define that? The Bible, thankfully, is is pretty clear, but it does give a kind of a complex view of what justice is. So, especially if you start in the Old Testament in the Hebrew, uh, there's really two words that are really important in the Hebrew that are used almost linked together quite often. Uh, one of those is the word that we translate as righteousness. So, it's a word that really means straight. So, it's it has a, this idea of a standard, a standard of right and wrong, particularly with regard to interpersonal relationships. So, how we treat one another and then also how God treats us. There's this idea of righteousness and you can you can say that that word is uh, just. It, what what it means to be just is to be righteous. Um, and really, in the in the Bible, in in this, in this sense, God is described as the source of righteousness. God refers to Himself, even in Isaiah, as the, a God of righteousness. So, God is the source of this right standard of right and wrong. Within probably more what we have in mind when we say justice is the right administration of justice is the right administration or the right response to people being right or wrong. And this is another word in Hebrew, mishpat, that refers to especially uh, punishment. If someone is not acting righteously, then justice would be to punish them for their misbehavior. So, when we talk about justice or a perversion of justice in English, that's usually the word more that we we have in mind. Did you check with our local Hebraist on the pronunciation of that Hebrew word? No, he can correct me if he okay. listens to this and I'm so, wrong. So, Ron, if you're listening, you can just text us and let us know Yeah, if we got it right. That's right. This this other word, justice, mishpat, is a word that has connected to this, this importance of equity or fairness in the distribution of that. So, it's this idea where you would have a judge, and, and this is applies to earthly authorities as much as it does to God, that there is a judge who is judging the righteousness of people and judging it fairly. He's not being partial to someone that's uh, more wealthy or more powerful. He is judging everyone according to the same standards. And if someone is being unrighteous, he will do right by punishing them. So, that's that's this uh, the sense of the word mishpat. And a great example of this is when Abraham is talking to God, uh, when God's about to destroy Sodom and Gomorrah, um, Abraham says to God in Genesis 18, far be it from you to to do such a thing to put the righteous, the tzaddik, to death with the wicked, so that the righteous fare as the wicked. Far be that from you, shall not the judge of all the earth do what is just, or shall not the judge of the earth do mishpat, 
So, rightly administer justice according to the righteousness or the wickedness of the people involved. Right. When we think of God's justice, it's it's in line with his character. It's who he is. When we can say, like we say, God is love or God is holy, God is just, because he is the, like you said, definition or he is the standard. There is no standard outside of himself that he's acting on. When we think of justice, we're all acting according to a standard outside of ourselves. Mm-hmm. We, don't, we don't get to define what is right. Right. The rightness uh, that you mentioned, uh, but God is that rightness. He is his own standard, so he acts according to that, and he defines that for us then to follow. That's right. He dictates to us what it means to live in righteousness. And so, even as we look at laws like in our own country and we ask whether or not they're good laws, as Christians, we should look at that and see how much does this law line up with God's law and with God's standard of what right and wrong is. And so, we can judge just because an earthly authority has made a law, that doesn't mean it's necessarily righteous. Um, But insofar as it lines up with God's law, it is righteous. And what's really interesting, if you read the Old Testament and you look at these places where God talks about his law being righteousness, um, there's usually this special consideration on God's part given to people who don't have much social standing. So, widows, orphans, uh, the sojourners. We saw some of that language in Psalm 94 yeah. that, that God knows that in, in a fallen world, this administration of justice will be perverted by those with power over those who don't have any power. And so, God, as he's, again, describing that impartial justice, is making it very clear that special consideration is supposed to be given to those that can't stand up for themselves. In these days of COVID-19, that definitely makes me think of how much we're interacting with our civil authorities, with our governments, with our judges, and with our governors, and we can judge their enacting of laws and orders, decrees, if you will. And in as much as these these new laws or these new orders uh, reflect God's character and God's law, then we can say as Christians that they are right. So, one could argue that because we're, we're trying to stay home more, we're trying to wear a mask, we're trying to wash our hands more, that we're reflecting uh, God's character and justice in loving our neighbor, right. protecting the weak and vulnerable, mm-hmm. the widow, the orphan, and the sojourner. Um, even in all these, uh, what can seem like for us as we're entering, what, month three of some sort of lockdown could seem a bit excessive or over the top or unnecessary, but we can we can honor uh, good uh, law makers in that they honor God's law and reflect God's character. Yeah, and this is where again it, it is incredibly complex. the The question of what is righteousness in every situation, um, especially in the earthly realm Mm -hmm. and and the realm of authorities. uh, There's a lot that we don't know. We live in a fallen world with a lot of complex situations. And so, there's definitely a category for wisdom in that, that, uh, you know, people are trying to do the best that they can with the information that they have. But you're right that there's a really interesting thing. And this is a little far afield of what we were planning on talking about, but I think this is helpful that, that God has delegated that authority to do justice to earthly authorities. You know, this is a big idea, like in Romans 13, you mm-hmm. know, that the uh, that the authorities are the one for now who exercise justice. They have the sword, and so they can carry out judgment against wrongdoers. And that's, that's a good thing, Paul says. It's good that we have good earthly authorities that will 
guard these definitions of righteousness. But the truth is that's just a picture, right? That's that's a temporary delegation that God will uh, take that back at the end of all things. And he will come and he will rightly judge everyone for their deeds. And in that sense, well, he will carry out uh, retribution against those that have not been righteous, who have been wicked. Yeah. Our current authorities are, like you said, a reflection, but a temporary means and a means of grace. Yeah, really. Uh, to us until that time when God comes and reigns perfectly. And then we won't need law Yeah, because we will have yeah. and God. It, and, and this is the thing that just authorities and just justice in our society is a good thing. Imagine if there was nobody punishing wrongdoers. If there was no check on people taking advantage of those who they can take advantage of, that would be disastrous for a society. And there's lots of societies that live like that right now that don't have the kind of justice that we have. Absolutely. And that's got to be hard for you to say as a closet libertarian. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> this this kind of blows a lot of my my categories. But maybe, even not, a, maybe not so closet. You know, even a good libertarian <laughs> should have a category for uh, the, the ministry of the sword that the government has that, um, you know, if you, you took it there, uh, <laughs> that, that we do see justice has a lot to do with rights that, that rights that individuals have. And I think the tradition that we're in was right to say that we have right, a right to life. We have a right to our freedom and we even have a right to having our property protected. And so a good government would protect those rights. That's justice to, to step in and prevent someone from taking those rights away from anybody and especially the most vulnerable. That's good. We're engaged with the governing authorities Mm -hmm. so much more these days than we usually are. Yeah, and we have to think a lot about what is submission to these authorities, who do I listen to, when and how do I listen to That's all really good, Chase. Follow up to that. People are pretty familiar with a concept of fair justice, like you said, uh, the execution of right laws, um, and probably approve of that concept in the world in general. Uh, We want right laws and fair execution of those laws. Uh, But speaking of divine justice, emphasis on divine, we are suddenly not so comfortable with the idea of a God out there justly punishing wrongdoing. Why, Why do we have, why is there that disconnect? Why do we have trouble with that? You know, I think, like you said, we appreciate justice in our own society. And one of the concepts in our society that we take, that we really value is the idea of a punishment befitting the crime. Right, which is really a biblical concept. So you read in an eye for an eye. Exactly. Yeah. That and what that means, just to be clear, is in the Old Testament when it says eye for an eye, that doesn't mean if you lose your eye, you have the right to poke out someone else's eye. What that means is that the the remuneration or the compensation that that person has to give you needs to be in the same level as an eye. It can't it can't be less than an eye is worth, however you determine what an eye is worth, but it can't be exorbitantly more than an eye is worth. It has to be equitable. So that goes back to that idea of fairness. Mm. And we like that. We like that idea. That's a great contribution to society is yeah. that we have this this idea of, of fair punishments. And so I think where we have a problem with divine judgment when we think about, man, God is going to judge people for their wrongdoing is we don't appreciate what is fair or what is deserving, what our sin, right. sin deserves, right? And so we think, wow, this seems really extreme. I mean, I've never killed somebody. I haven't stolen much from somebody. So that God would punish me forever in hell for what seems like these minor infractions, that doesn't seem like a fair punishment befitting the crime. And and the, where that's coming from is a failure to appreciate how serious sin is. Yeah, and absolutely. What 
like what I said earlier, we want to be our own standard. We want to have our own definition of what is just and fair. We all love fairness Mm -hmm. as long as we get to define what fairness is. Right. But when God is the definition of fairness and God is the definition of justice, then we have problems. Yeah, that's exactly right. So when you take sin and what we will always try to do with our own sin is minimize it and make it seem like it's not a big deal so that the punishment that it deserves should not be very much. It should be a slap on the wrist at best. But when we start from the perspective of God and we think of what sin is in relation to God, that's where we can start to understand the idea of this divine judgment. So an analogy that I like to use a lot is, um, so I grew up with two little brothers and there would often be some some rowdy scuffling. Yeah, that's right. And so if I hit my little brother, which you know I'm sad to say happened a lot when I was little, um, and even when I was older. <laughs> uh, but if I hit my little brother, what's the punishment that I get from that? My mom raised three boys, and she hit harder than all of us, and so she would hit me, you know, and that was it. We were we were done. That was it, and she didn't justice. abuse me. But that was justice, right? She uh, and and then we walked away. Now, if I do the exact same thing, I hit a police officer, there's a very different definition mm-hmm. of what justice would be in that situation. Right. That I, you hit the president. Or I hit the president. Exactly. Just I actually asked uh, yeah, I asked uh, Keith Schwalm, who is one of our elder candidates, he was a uh, uh, Secret Service for a while, and I asked, what, what would happen if I tried to hit the president? And, and he was like, you would make it, right? That there is there is an increasing level of punishment. And everyone would see that as justice. That's right. And yeah. nobody would nobody would question that. Even, you know, uh, with a police officer or anything, nobody would question a use of more lethal force for the same action. What's changed? The authority of the person that you are offending, okay? And so you just extend that again to the creator God of the universe, right? Think of Hebrews chapter 12 says, our God is a consuming fire, right? He is, he is the most eternal authority. And so any offense, even the most minor offense against a God of that level of authority deserves eternal punishment. And so that's that's one of the the places that we need to start is kind of in this vertical relationship to uh, our sin as an offense against God. Right. Yeah. And connecting this to God's holiness and how he is so uh, transcendent and so uh, pure, so other from us, um, for us to sin against uh, someone so her- holy and pure, that helps us see, that helps us understand. It'd be like sinning against Mother Teresa or the Pope or somebody mm-hmm. you see is just the embodiment of, of purity yeah. and goodness. Mm-hmm. Um, how much more, yeah. like you said, how much more is is God transcendent above that? Yeah, so to appreciate justice and this idea of divine justice, really a great meditation is to not think about our own actions, but to think about God's character. And then another right. level of this that I think people don't think about enough when when they're thinking about this is, I, you know, I talked about the vertical relationship to God. There's also a horizontal relationship or aspect to our sin. Every sin, even if you think it's the most private sin, every sin hurts other people. And so our disobedience, our lack of justice is wreaking havoc in the lives of other people. It's the whole reason that the world is the mess that it is, is because we all continue to sin all of the time. And so God's judgment, especially against especially wicked people, um, God's judgment is loving in that it is intervening in distorted interpersonal relationships. It is God intervening in relationships that are hurting other people. Yeah, I think of it like this, Chase. I have I have five little kids, and if my kids are, are fighting, 
uh, or one of them is, is sinning against the other, the most loving thing I can do as a father is intervene, is right. to step in, is to stop. Number one, to stop the harm of another kid, uh, but also to discipline, to, uh, to correct uh, the the offending child, uh, because if I just left them to, to themselves, I would be forsaking my fatherhood. That's my right. I, I would be in sin as a father and not uh, doing my job to to intervene to protect, but also to discipline. To, yeah, because what you would judge be, if you were intervening and you were correcting, what you're actually doing is you as the father are working justice into your family. You are making your right. family act more righteously. Through punishment. And so that's it. When a lot of people really object to this idea of God judging and God punishing, um, and they and they say that it's unloving, you know, I can't think of a loving God sending someone to hell. Well, then what you're actually talking about is a loving God that's apathetic. That's right. And, and that's an oxymoron, right? That would be a God that sees injustice happening and does nothing. Is that really the kind of God that you want? Hmm. Is that really a just God, a yeah. good God? Not at all. Love demands justice. Right. Yeah, so if God is love, then God must be just. The way that uh, A.W. Pink puts it in Attributes of God, that there is no imperfection in all of God's divine character and God's nature. So all of his divine attributes are equal in their purity and beauty. But then a really interesting uh, flip is he says, there is no perfection without his divine justice Mm. and wrath, because then he would not be loving. That's right. Yeah, he would, he would be a god that that just winks at sin and and kind of slides it underneath the rug, and and that's where we get into the problem and the big tension in the Bible, right? Is that God is a loving God, He's a merciful God, but He's also a just God, and so all through the Old Testament, especially, you read, and there's an unresolved conflict between God's mercy on one hand and His justice on the other. So it's actually a good thing that we have a just God who is willing to intervene and punish wrongdoing. It would be a bad thing for God to leave us to ourselves, to be passive toward our sin. Uh, but the Bible says that all have sinned and deserve just punishment. So how does God's justice make us think of the gospel? Get us, get us to the gospel. What, what's, the, what's the resolution of divine justice plus all have sinned? So we all deserve judgment. Yeah, I mean, this is the incredible thing about the gospel. This is what makes the gospel such good news. Um, This is a great place to turn to Romans chapter 3, where Paul takes these two ideas that he's been kind of weaving together, and you've been referenced, that all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God and are justified. So that's really another important word that the Bible uses, are, are declared just. Uh, are declared to have been righteous. In, in Greek, that word justified is really the word righteousness in a verb form. So, they're made righteous, declared righteous. How? Because Jesus suffered the punishment that they deserve. And so, that's where Paul can say in Romans chapter 3, verse 26, that God is both just and the justifier of the one who mm. has faith in Love Jesus, that. who suffered the punishment. So, is God just in punishing sin? Yes, and he punishes Jesus for the sins that Jesus' people have committed. And therefore, by that that punishment carried out on Jesus, he can have mercy on those who have believed in Jesus. And so, this is another great reason why you have to have a Trinitarian God. Mm. If you only have a singular God, like, like Allah, the God of Islam, uh, he can't be the just and the justifier. That would be an internal contradiction. But because our God is three in one, the Father 
is just, the son is the just punishment for sins, and therefore they can be both the just and the justifier. Yeah, that's wonderful. And that invokes in us worship, as it did so many times in the Old Testament. We see in the Psalms over and over again of them pleading for justice, but also praising his justice, his right. right judgment of the earth. And even looking forward, like I think of Psalm 67, of how he will judge the people with equity, let the peoples praise you. So, the the connection to praise and justice and justice and righteousness, that should stir up in us worship uh, for so many reasons, if nothing else, just because it shows God's perfection, shows God's, uh, the unity that all of God's divine attributes share. But also, when we see injustice in the world, we know that that will be taken care of, Mm. that it will not be swept under the rug. It will not be forgotten that God will be just as he has been just. And that can only bring the suffering saint comfort. Totally. First, you start with the mercy that we receive in the face of God's justice. And then, yeah, as you said that, that we can wait. We can wait on God's justice. I think that's a common theme throughout the Bible is when the people of God are especially being oppressed or persecuted, um, when it seems like wickedness is winning, they turn and and they find hope that God's not unjust. He's not going to let this go on forever. He will come. He will make this all right. Um, I think of Second Thessalonians chapter one uh, often in this connection, where where Paul comforts this church that's being persecuted with the thought that uh, that Jesus will come and he will. He will make those that are persecuting them suffer eternal wrath away mm. from the presence of God. And that's meant to be a comfort to them. Yeah. Um, that that there will be retribution. And it's also meant to be um, kind of a check on them that they wouldn't seek revenge. You know, Paul talks about this in Romans as well, that we're supposed to we're supposed to wait for God to avenge us. We don't we don't take vengeance ourselves, um, just like Jesus didn't. Jesus didn't uh, fight. Jesus let himself be conquered, knowing that God would justly vindicate him and raise him up. Um, so yeah, it's a it's a sweet comfort to us to think that this won't last forever. This won't be, the world will not be unjust forever, but it's also a motivator to us. Kind of like we were saying that this this is so political, right? Not, not in maybe the way that we think about it as Americans, but in the idea that this pertains to our life as people that live in relationships with other people in certain kind of structures, that we should be trying to identify righteousness and injustice in our society and correct that through the means that that we have. And you can have long conversations about the extent of that or how that looks, but, but we should have a concern, even just personally, of being just people. And we ask, well, what does that look like? Well, we think to God. We think to God's character. We think about being more righteous ourselves and promoting more righteousness in the world because that's that's how God is and that's how God designed us to be. That's right. That's really good. I was thinking about this idea of waiting as I was listening to Ryan preaching uh, Psalm 94. Uh, It's so hard to wait for God's justice. That's why it's so often in the Psalms you see how long, how long. Mm. And it's not because the psalmist doesn't think God will be just. It's not a matter of if, but when. Mm. But they're they're pleading, they're asking. and, and, And part of that is for our own hearts to, uh, like you said, to rely on Him, to wait on Him. Um, but it's so hard. We want to avenge ourselves, even from our from our youngest years. And I see it in my kids when they feel like they are sinned against or wronged. They want to enact vengeance mm-hmm. then and there. They yeah. want it now, uh, and we do too. We want we want revenge. 
And and one thing I just kept thinking about and how this reflects the heart of God and the character of God as we wait is in Second Peter 3, when he says that God, he's not slow like we think about slow, yeah. but he is patient, not wishing that any would perish, but that all would come to repentance. That That is amazing yeah. to think that God is patient with us even when we sin um, and patient with those that, that even reject him now um, when he could just enact judgment right there and just zap them. But he is patient and waiting, waiting and giving opportunity for the gospel to take effect and for them to be uh, brought to repentance. Yeah, that just makes me think so much about the radical commandment that Jesus gave us to love our enemies. Mm. Right? That enemies, those are the people that we want to exact justice against, that we say, right now, I want you to be punished. I want to be avenged. And Jesus says, no, love them. Not just be apathetic to them, right? Like we were saying, love them. Go out of your way to do good to them. Be patient with them. Plead with them to repent and turn to God. Don't seek justice, but see them as a person that is in the grip of sin Hmm. and can be freed by the gospel. Just like we once were. Exactly. I reflect that's that's Christ likeness in us when we when we seek to love our enemies because Christ loved us and died for us while we were his enemies. Totally. Christian faith really in a way turns justice on its head, right? Where it's not just this black and white administration of punishment for sin, but it's it's introduced into that concept of justice, love mm. and patience and mercy and that if anything if anything we as christians should be marked by those characteristics along with justice and uh, nobody could come up with that on themselves that's not a human concept that right. is a divine concept that god has graciously introduced into our lives in this world and that will be will be praised forever in eternity right there will not be a need for that retributive justice in mm. the new heavens and the new earth there will not be the need for correction there will only be righteousness, and there will only be us praising God forever for his mercy Mm. to unrighteous sinners that he's declared righteous through the sacrifice of Jesus Christ. The just for the unjust, the righteous for the unrighteous. Yeah, the gospel does reverse uh, justice for us in that God declares us just because of the justice that was enacted on Christ on the cross. Uh, What an amazing truth. It's so profound. Well, Chase, this is a wonderful thing to think about. I I pray that the Lord would use this idea of justice and God's uh, divine justice to invoke in our listeners worship for God, that it would encourage uh, the weary as we look around at the injustice in our world, that it would unite us uh, around the gospel even more. Amen. So that's what we have for you today. You've been listening to the Desert Springs Church Podcast. If you'd like more information about our church or the things going on in our church, you can go to our website, dscabq.com. If you ever have any questions that you'd like to address to me or Chase, you can email info at dscabq.com, and those will find their way to us, and we'd love to interact with you if you have any questions about anything you've heard on this episode or any resources even that we may just mention in passing. But until next week, Lord willing, we'll have another episode for you, and until then... On behalf of Chase Jacobs, I'm Drew Hodge. Let's keep spreading God's glory broader and deeper.
Mishpat. Number five. <laughs> Since I have a name, Div. Kind of a bummer. Check. So now let's talk about the Branch Davidians. You're such a Mishpat. 